today on the Connecting Our Stories podcast, I am chatting with my friend Rosie. Rosie is an ally in the fight against human trafficking. She's passionate about giving kids and parents and really all of us the tools that we need to fight against child abuse and child exploitation. We have such a great conversation today about what people like you and like me and like Rosie can do to enter into the fight against trafficking and exploitation and how it really is just starting to do some simple things in the places we already are. We also touch on being women and working and being moms and how our journeys before we know about injustice relate to our journeys after we know about injustice. I loved this conversation and I really hope that you are inspired and encouraged and challenged after you listen to the convo with Rosie. conversation as we're looking at how people can get involved in fighting against human trafficking and especially with January being Human Trafficking Awareness Month. Um, I think your story and your journey is so valuable for people to hear so they can start to see themselves too in the fighting against human trafficking. So do you want to just share a little bit about who you are and um, how we got to be on this podcast right now together? Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It's such a privilege to be here with you. I admire you so much for all the truly wonderful work that Stories Foundation has done. I know you and your mom kickstarted this all, so it's my absolute privilege. And yes, I have had my eyes opened um, in the past three years to some very dark and disturbing Uh, realities of human trafficking. I could digest, you know, different um, scenarios involving adults. And I knew those existed. And I knew Minnesota really stepped up its game before the Super Bowl came to town um, a couple years ago, which was wonderful. But something that happened in my my own community um, with involving my friend's young children really, really opened my eyes and I, it it really changed me. And, um, I wanted to know more about this issue and some deep causes and what I could do if anything, because I'm not, maybe some other people can relate. I'm not in law enforcement. I'm not a lawyer. And I thought, well, what, what can I do? Um, so I, the first step I made was I joined Minnesota's human trafficking task force and it was really eye-opening and made me feel so good to know the, the things going on in our state to combat this. The very, the very first speaker at a meeting I went to um, was a triage nurse from the Mayo Clinic and she was talking about Um, new strategies that they had just implemented for emergency care team members to help spot trafficking victims. And that was wonderful to hear. And, And additionally, I heard about some police officers who were, you know, 
diving into the dark web and and working on those challenges. Um, as you know, it's such a multifaceted issue. There's no other, it can't be solved by one entity, of course. And so um, I really just wanted to learn and think about how me as, as a mom um, could, could get involved in this and with my skill set. So I serendipitously found out about some assault safety and prevention training that has been going on in some schools locally by not me training and um, doing wonderful work. So I thought, gosh, that is a really big part of this prevention piece is um, talking to kids and parents and teachers about this issue. So um, I was involved with that and um, got to meet some incredible people doing really great things. And selfishly, it's therapeutic for me to be involved in this because it's restoring my faith in humanity, literally, to, um, to know all the good that's being done. Because I know about some things I never, ever wanted to know about and never, ever imagined could happen. And it is a true gift to use the positivity of prevention to shine a light on um, some serious, serious issues going on, not just in our community, not just in our state, but around the world. Yeah, and I think that's so important what you said that feeling overwhelmed, feeling heavy, maybe even like depressed when you find out what's happening specifically to children, but then taking that and putting action with that and that, you know, relieves those heavy feelings. And I think that's, I was talking to a friend a couple weeks ago and she said, we need to turn our empathy can either put us like in a darker place or if we turn our empathy into action, then we do something with it. So if you have empathy, but you just sit in your empathy, it's bad and overwhelming. But if you take your empathy and you do something with it, that's how we get out of that dark place, I think. Absolutely. I completely agree. It can be, I, I think I was a bit shell-shocked. I, I remember hearing a story on NPR about a prisoner of war survivor. And she said something that resonated deep inside me, she said, I'm just looking for the humanity. And I thought that's it. Like that is exactly it. You're just looking for the humanity. Where is it? And um, so I found it. And so I think that's why I am. It's not just, uh, you know, something I'm interested in. It is at an absolute passion. And we get to be the humanity. I think we often think it's maybe somebody else's job to step in and be the humanity in a, in a dark issue like human trafficking, but we get to, we can be the answer to that. We are humans and we get to step in and be the humanity. And I think your story is such a beautiful example of that. What, take us back before you knew about human trafficking professionally, what's your background? What's your experience? And then how is, have you used that as you move forward? Um, my background is with um, the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis. I was um, a writer and researcher a bit and um, their media representative. 
And when I had kids, they were kind enough to let me work part-time from home for 10 years, which was awesome. So, um, and they did a lot of work surrounding early childhood education and investing in children, which is um, totally necessary and, you know, relates to, to the work I'm doing now. Um, so I was just really blessed to work with some phenomenal people. I'm married to a dentist, so I helped him out here and there too. You have great teeth. Yes. And then, uh, so the beauty of that is that I was able to be very part-time and be around with my kids, which is super important because I feel like, especially as women, we are so, uh, the pressure is on to have it all and do the career. And I feel like women in particular need to take a step back and say, Hey, I'm, I'm investing in my kids. There's no right or wrong. Uh, everyone's situation is totally different. And, and I just feel I was really lucky, especially with what I know that I was able to have some time, um, to work very part-time from home and be around my kids because yeah, I, I love that your job was to research and PR. And then that's what you're doing now is you're like such a good researcher and PR and putting awareness out into the world that's so needed. And I resonate too with um, leaning more into my role as a woman leader and what that means as the, as a mother and that, you know, learning that it's okay to not hide the fact that my kids are in my business yeah. all the time, but embrace it. This is the life that I'm living and this is who I am. And, you know, I think as women, it's okay to embrace the differences we bring to leadership into the world. And absolutely. And they're watching, they're watching, um, it, they're watching you. It goes so fast. We have our oldest is in college and it's so exciting to see, um, you know, see them blossom and into themselves and what they are passionate about. So I'll survive you here. What you're doing. (laughs) Oh, okay. So tell me now you had this thing happen with a friend of yours in your community that really opened your eyes to trafficking specifically when it comes to children and how they're at risk. So tell me about, um, that journey of learning about um, what ha- what can happen to children, being in that space where you were doing that prevention education, and then really the connection with human trafficking. I think sometimes, and you and I have talked about, it can get lost, the connection between like child, child abuse, childhood trauma, and then how that connects to human trafficking. Oh, yes. Um, I feel, I, I just that um, the majority of trafficking victims experienced a form of sexual abuse in their youth, which is extremely confusing and violates boundaries. And then, which it makes perfect sense if those boundaries are violated and um, you're introduced as a child to sex or, or a sexual um, touch or what have you, that, um, that really, that can really mess with you. And so that is a traumatic experience. And so then it affects you in multiple ways. It, um, number one, I mean, it affects you physically on a physical level, on a mental level, 
And there are a myriad of health consequences because of that. And then not only is it affecting you those ways, but it is altering one's DNA. Toxic stress literally alters a person's DNA. So I think learning, learning those super important nuggets was like, this is a no brainer. I mean, you can, you can change not only with prevention education, can you change the trajectory of a child's life by creating boundaries, by interrupting something, by encouraging them to get in touch with their voice to speak, whether it's, I mean, you're planting seeds of change here when you are in the classroom talking to children about safe touch, unsafe touch, and getting in touch with their, their inner siren, um, excuse me, <clears throat> their, their gut feeling is huge. It's a game changer. And it has, it's just, just the way that um, trafficking and these um, health consequences of abuse can have such negative consequences for children, then you can just flip the whole situation and by empowering kids and go the other way mm-hmm. by um, it, it's wonderful. And it is just a no brainer. Yeah. I, I a little bit about, I have not heard that before. And I would, I want to learn more about how trauma changes are, can change the DNA. Talk a little bit more about that. That's really. So I'll refer to an uh, amazing book, which I feel like every single high school student should read it. Um, to better understand trauma. It's called The Deepest Well. And uh, Nadine Harris, who's California's Surgeon General, is an amazing uh, pediatrician. And she has studied adverse adverse childhood experiences. So um, if you look up adverse childhood experiences, you can take a quiz and you can determine your ACEs score. So did you grow up in a war-torn country? Did you grow up in a violent area? Did you lose a parent? Um, all of the, did you experience sexual abuse? All these um, factors play into your, your ACEs score and affect your health. So she started the book off with a, a patient of hers that experienced sexual abuse by a family friend who was staying with them. And when the parents found out, they absolutely took action and got him out of the house. However, this child, um, his growth was stunted because of the trauma. And um, he had to obviously work through the trauma to get on a path to grow, like physically grow. So that's an extreme example. However, um, there's so many ways that trauma can affect your body where it's, um, you, you don't know how to deal with the pain. So you turn to drugs or alcohol, which, you know what, congratulations, you found a way to cope. I mean, it it is a coping mechanism, which a lot of people don't understand. And, or you turn to promiscuity or your grades might plummet. Um, and you're, you're losing that, that path, that path of resilience, which ultimately leads to success because of these adverse experiences. So one fascinating thing I've been learning 
is about resilience factors and how even though people who have experienced some severe trauma, if you have someone else, like a grandparent or a close friend or a caring neighbor or a best peer, a best peer friend, a pet, all of those, all of those factors can feed in to your resiliency and whether or not you can overcome some really, really tough scenarios. Because let's face it, um, we've got a massive um, opioid addiction and this feeds right into that. Um, sadly, we've, um, in the news, they can freely talk about the opioid crisis right now, but how much attention is given to the fact that human trafficking is surpassing the drug trade as far as worldwide illegal enterprises. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's just all interconnected. And the more people are aware and can see that, I feel like they would be not as scared and more empowered to learn and interaction. And Stories Foundation is incredible and provides some amazing resources and ways to get involved um, in just a learning way, a learning way and a loving way that, to get involved in combating this, this massive problem. Well, you're saying so many good things that resonates with my heart, B, and that's why we're friends and partnered together in this work because we agree on so many, on so many things, but I just want to just go back to some of those things you just said that were so important for people to recognize and um, having those conversations with our kids in our life. And I want to touch on that again. Um, but then the other thing you said too, is that having a, a caring neighbor or a loving grandparent or that matters in building up someone's resiliency who has had trauma. I just, those two things, I want you to talk a little bit more about that. We can talk more about how do we have those conversations with our kids? Because I think, well, I know, especially doing this work for eight years, that's the number one question I get is how do I talk to my kids about this? Like what, nobody knows how to do that. Where it's the joke of the world that nobody wants to have the sex talk with their kids. Like we are so bad at talking about that. So let's talk about that. And then I want to go to, the importance of then being those safe adults for the kids in our lives, even if it's a neighbor or if our, it's the friend our kid brings home from school, or I think both of those things are important. So first let's talk about how do we have these conversations with our kids? Um, that's a really, really great question. So we all have to level up from what we had as kids, right? Cause this wasn't really addressed. Um, so number one is just be appropriate and give the kids the right language for their body parts, because that alone can be very confusing. If you're not using the appropriate language, um, that can cause serious communication problems for if, if they're being violated um, in, in another, you know, if they're experiencing a form of sexual abuse, that can be very confusing. So using the appropriate body parts is, is huge and talking to your kids, um, answering questions, honestly, and talking to your kids about, about sex is huge because you, 
if you have, um, if you don't talk about these issues and aren't giving them clear answers, they're going to look somewhere else and it's out there and it's not, it's not, it's not good stuff. And it's, um, so it all starts in your own home and having just real conversations with your kids. Mm -hmm. I feel like being open and answering their questions and not getting angry with them mm -hmm. and just trying to listen. Keeping our chill. We have to keep our cool <laughs> when exactly. we have these conversations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think people think that, well, I think we know that if we don't educate our kids, somebody else will. And maybe in the past, we trusted the other people to educate our kids. But I think what we need to recognize is the culture's messaging maybe isn't the one you want. Educating your kids primarily about things like sex or healthy touch or healthy relationships. Exactly. I think we need to take back the reins and be the primary educator. Um, it's good to trust, you know, the math teacher to teach your kids math. It's good to trust the music teacher to teach your kids the way the piano. Yeah but we need to educate ourselves about these things so we can be that educator for our children. Absolutely. It starts, yeah, it starts in your own home and, and modeling healthy relationships and being respectful and, and, you know, life isn't pretty all the time. It's messy and arguments happen and, but just be appropriate about where you have them and, and model modeling respectful relationships with your partner. Um, so your kids see what that's like and they teaching them self-respect and um, being there, being available for your kids to listen, especially teenagers when they're wanting more, more and more time with their friends and just keeping that door open and knowing that, hey, whatever comes up, just know you can talk to me. I'm not going to be angry or upset. I know there's so many crazy things going on, especially in this digital age that we never experienced. And so it's, it's kind of scary sometimes parenting in this, in this age. And so you can't go around policing your teenager because they are going to be exposed to a myriad of things online that, that we don't want them to, but it's teaching them. Okay. So you see a pornographic image or you, or a video. Okay that's not real. Okay. <laughs> and they, the person is being exploited in that video. And that's not how you treat another human being. You treat another human being with love and respect and, and modeling that. So I, I feel like that is a slippery slope. And I know, um, I know that's not a favorite conversation to have with kids, but it's so necessary. Like, hey, I know you're gonna be exposed to this. You're welcome to talk to me at any time. And I know it can be scary and I know it can be confusing, but just keep that door open because you don't want your kids looking there for answers. Um, because as you know, with pornography, how it feeds into, into sex trafficking, um, I'm preaching to the choir here, but um, for those of you who don't know, yes, pornography and sex trafficking go hand in hand. And the problem is that people who have addictions to porn, then um, just regular, regular um, mainstream 
images, videos don't um, light their fire anymore. So then they're looking for um, more dangerous or younger, which is very, very frightening. And it's absolutely out there. Yeah, I think that that is a conversation I love to have what you just said about giving the reality and the truth behind things like pornography instead of just telling our kids don't do it. And I people ask me a lot like, well, how do you do this in your house? And I'm constantly asking my kids, you know, what are you looking at? What are you know, taking their stuff from them? And, but even more than that, I'm like, you know, if you see things like this, like, it's, it'll, I say it'll ruin your life. Those people are enslaved. They're being hurt. Like, I think we have to give our kids the correct framework for what they're going to encounter in the world. So that when they see that they're, what they think is, oh, that's sad. Oh, that's not relationship. Oh, that's not love. Oh, that's not respect. Instead of, you know, being intrigued and desiring it because they don't know the difference maybe between what a loving relationship is and a healthy sexual relationship and a non, you know, healthy relationship. Absolutely. And they're too, I mean, they're too young for that. It's too confusing and they're not emotionally ready. They're not physically ready. And well, some of them may be physically ready, but (laughs) it's, you know, that's, you got to align your beliefs with your core values, because if you're not in alignment, you're going to feel off and look, you gotta, you know, just instilling positivity in your kids, loving your kids, encouraging your kids so that they have the self-esteem to love themselves. Because if they are loved and feel loved, they're going to radiate that love and want to treat others with respect. That's true. That's very true. So good. Okay, now let's talk about that whole being the safe adults for the kids in our lives. Because I, it, you know, I talk a lot about how we live in an individualistic culture in America. It's not part of our um, like default to be in people's lives who aren't our family or who aren't the people we've considered like our people. Uh, but I think that that is a huge answer to combating human trafficking and exploitation and a lot of the issues of justice that we have in our communities, if we were just more intentional with each other, I think it would make such a huge difference. And it sounds like you have the research to kind of back up my instinct too, that you found that. So can you talk a little more about that and and maybe encourage people towards that? How, how, what can that look like for us in our community? Um, all that can look like so many things that can look like inviting someone you don't know as well to a meal and um, getting to know someone kind of outside your circles. Um, just, just inviting, I feel like, and opening the door and, and listening. And even your friends, your, your children's friends, you know, keeping the door open for um, you know, some meals, hangout times, and you can, you know, be, get to know who your kids are hanging out with. I think that's super important too. And, um, being a mentor, like so many kids don't, it's another huge contributing factor to this problem is that the majority of people who fall victim to trafficking, as we've spoken about, don't have the family support, don't have community support and don't have funds. So then they're looking outside um, for those unmet needs. 
so it can look like so many things being neighborly, um, just reaching out beyond your circles. And you're, you know, this, this life goes fast. And um, for you to be moldy, having, you know, I'm only having friends in this sector. I haven't, people who say, I have enough friends, I don't have time for, I think that's a, that's a, I'm not in alignment with that statement. I think there's always room for, for more. Mm-hmm. And you, and it feeds you, you give, you reach out and you get so much more back because you made that extra effort and you made a new connection with someone. I think that there's like a different economy that we can believe in. I think we can believe in this economy where um, the more you give, the less you have. But I think there's a different one. And I think it's where the more you give, the more you get. And I almost think that when it comes to relationships, I, I, I kind of think that yes, we need to have boundaries and yes, we shouldn't over extend ourselves and there are seasons and all of that, like all of that. The devil's advocate will say, yes, we agree with all that. But I think that we can maintain a lot of different relationships in, in a healthy way and we can invite new people in. And, and I think at least from my experience, when you do that, you just get so much in return. It's so beautiful. You have, you don't even know what you're missing if you just limit are so limited all the time. Um, and it's, it doesn't, it's not totally logical to think that when you give, give, give that you can get, but in a healthy, in a healthy relationship, it, it should be like that, or it can be like that. Yeah. I'm totally on board with all of that. Totally agree. (laughs) So Rosie and I have been connected for a little while now. And recently she's joined us at Stories Foundation um, to as a consultant. And I'm really grateful for her partnership. So grateful as we move into this next season of really um, gearing up for Storyteller Cafe. And then also we share a line of passion for awareness and that awareness is action. And you had a really fun idea for the month of January. So since I sprung this podcast on you this morning, why don't you go ahead and share <laughs> share your idea for awareness and um, gathering the community to around this issue of, of fighting against trafficking and, and survivors and those vulnerable too. So I feel that so many people are afraid of this topic because it can be really dark. But what I've learned from Stories Foundation is just by inviting and sprinkling some education and some opportunities to connect and get involved is really a lovely approach. Because when you see all the scary statistics and the um, stories that make you feel sick to your stomach, yeah, it's not fun to talk about. So I am encouraging people this month for January's Human Trafficking Awareness Month to get a little uncomfortable. So we're it's January in Minnesota, it's a little chilly outside, but I'm going to be um, planking outside and inviting people to stand strong against trafficking, plank for survivors. And I will, I will tag people, you don't have to be invited to do this challenge, um, you can do it. And so number one, to spread awareness about this issue. And then number two, just about what Storyteller Cafe is doing, um, that it's being built in the spring, that it's an amazing social impact, give back, pivotal cafe 
I mean, game changing. So not only is it a gathering spot, but the fact that it'll have two apartments up top to house survivors and rehabilitate them and offer them dignified work is, is it's huge. It's, um, and the fact that the Storyteller Cafe is a model to be franchised elsewhere. So that's super exciting. So um, that's, that's why I wanted to do it. Just a little way, um, well, not a little, a big way to engage people and spread spread awareness in a kind and delicate way. But we do, um, you know, don't be deceived. We are on fire for this. Yeah. <laughs> so knowing about some really tough stuff really, um, really can ignite you. Yeah. So you're invited listeners to join us in, in planking and taking your friends to join you um, because we really all can do something to fight against this. Before we sign off, can you talk a little bit about what you've learned locally here in Minnesota, um, how we're set up to come alongside children who have experienced abuse or who could experience it, um, things that encourage you, things that you want to see growth in? Absolutely. Um, there, I'd like to just share about a law called Aaron's Law. Aaron's Law has been passed in 37 states. And it mandates schools to educate um, children about um, child sexual abuse. So healthy, safe touch, unsafe touch, um, healthy boundaries, and what to do to to, um, actually tell a trusted adult if you have been, you know, if you've had an inappropriate touch or even, you know, as far as an inappropriate picture being shared, you know, lots of different scenarios. So Aaron's law is fantastic. However, um, Minnesota is um, kind of in that middle ground, which is not a great place to be um, regarding this issue. So Minnesota has adopted the law in the sense that they encourage schools to um, have this sort of training, um, but they don't mandate it. So there are schools locally who have taken advantage of this, which is fantastic. Um, but we still have a lot of work to do. And so I have a new prevention partner, um, which I'm super excited about. Um, the group's name is Childhood Victories, and they are outside of um, Chicago. And Illinois was the first state to pass Aaron's Law in 2013, because Aaron herself um, who's a survivor of child sexual abuse, um, is from Illinois. So the founder of Childhood Victories is an extremely, extremely vulnerable and empowering gentleman by the name of Victor Pacini. And he's very open and honest and raw and real about sharing his story about being um, sexually abused at the age of eight by a family friend and not talking about it until he was in college. And he, the thing that's fascinating about Victor is that he shares with kids um, in an age appropriate way, like don't, don't do what I did, like um, encouraging them to talk um, to a trusted adult, he calls them trusted heroes, which is phenomenal. And, um, and just to encouraging that connection, you don't, even if it's not in your home, because one in five kids will experience a form of child sexual abuse prior to age 18. 
And of those kids, which in a classroom of 25, that can be five kids. That's that's a lot of kids. And so um, of those kids who experience a form of abuse, one third of them experience it by someone um, in their home. And over 90% experience abuse by someone who they know or kind of know. So um, again, as I mentioned, not talking about this issue fosters a right culture for abuse to, to grow. So um, it's just a total power flip. It, for any kids who have, ex who have you know, experienced um, some form of abuse, it is a complete power flip. And it's a game changer. As I mentioned, the whole um, adverse child experiences and the effects of toxic stress on the body, um, just getting our healthcare system on board with, with this is, it's really a game changer. And um, Victor has been in over 60 school districts and he's had over 200 disclosures, which we know there are more than that, but that's what has been reported. So, um, as I mentioned, you're changing the trajectory of a child's life and empowering parents as well and empowering teachers. Um, so he has um, scalable programs um, online and in person, which obviously are on hold right now, and then live um, presentations um, that can stream to classrooms. So I encourage parents can be a huge voice in requesting this in their schools. And you don't have to take no for an answer because um, it, it obviously it starts in your home, but for those kids who don't have that safety net in their home, it is vital and essential. It is, I mean, we talk about peanut allergies nonstop. This affects way more people. We talk about you know, we have fire drills, tornado drills, lockdown drills, um, shooter, active shooter drills. And this affects way more kids than all of those combined. So um, it's a game changer. And as parents, I encourage you to use your voice and ask for this at your child's school because um, it, it, needs, it needs to be there. It's past the time for prevention. And I think that's exactly right. And people ask me all the time, how do we get more education in schools? And it's you. It's you parent. You go to your school board. You go to your principal. You go to your school counselor. Um, you go to your whatever. And you start asking those questions. And you bring the resources to the front and, and say, we need education on this. And here's who can bring it. Uh, so I think when we talk about how do we fight against human trafficking and how do we fight against injustice as you know moms or dads or you know dentists or marketing people or whoever we are you know this is how we do it this is how we advocate not only for our children but for the children in our communities who maybe don't have a voice advocating for them so amen and tell do we how do we get the law passed do we call our law um, you can, great question, Steph, you can write to your state legislator. And, and it's in Minnesota, it's not tricky. It's 
just amending the law, changing, imagine just changing one word. It can just have an amazingly powerful and profound effect on the lives of countless kids from um, encouraged to required. So huge. Um, I just wanted to mention a couple like key takeaways for parents, like just life lessons that I've learned and to instill in your children to trust your gut instinct. It does not lie. So many of us try to override it and think through it and, and think of reasons why um, we shouldn't tune in, but, but tune in and, and listen. It's your, your inner voice. It is absolutely a divine force and it's, it's there to protect you. Um, so I guess that's a, a huge takeaway um, that, that I think is invaluable for every, every person. And again, just empowering kids to talk to a trusted adult, keep talking um, with childhood victories. They call them trusted heroes again. Um, so if you're afraid to talk to your parents about something, talk to another, talk to a family friend, um, talk even siblings, <laughs> older siblings can help each other out too. So keep talking until you can get the help you need to solve the problem. Yeah, that's really so, good just aligning with stories foundation how every human has value and every child deserves to be safe and and seen and heard yeah i think it's i think those takeaways are exactly right and um we talk a lot about when i talk about human trafficking awareness is that gut feeling that we do we justify or we like try and reason away our our instincts and that's not, don't do that. If you see something that doesn't feel right, if something happens to you that doesn't seem right, it's not right. <laughs> and, and I think as adults, what we can do is, and what you're saying is we need to normalize the conversation so that kids have, feel like they have a space to talk about it and have words to express what's happening. Or maybe if a friend tells them something or who knows, right? And I know in my experience with kids and teenagers, they talk to each other way more than they talk to, to us, right? Yeah. We need to equip our kids even to know how to have these conversations so that they know what to do if a friend says things yeah, to them. Yeah, absolutely. So all the things, normalize yeah. that conversation. They're, but they're not alone. That, that's the biggest, the biggest um, message. You, you're not alone. Even you may feel like you're alone. You're not. There are people who would be overjoyed to help for sure help and come alongside that person um so that they can they can um get get to a safe space so thanks rosie so much for having this conversation with me um i think this has been such great tips and information for people and my hope and my heart is that people will start to see themselves as part as fighting against trafficking and exploitation and the issues that feed into it, like child abuse, um, not normalizing conversations around healthy sexuality and healthy relationships. I think if we can start to see our stories as a part of this bigger issue, that's when we're going to start to see change happen. And I know that you are very passionate about that. And I'm grateful to be on this journey together. Your story matters, Rosie, in the fight against injustice. 
thank you so much. It's my absolute privilege and passion project. So it means more to me than I can put into words. So thank you, Steph. You are a true change maker and such an honor to be with you. You're the biggest encourager. So grateful. I'll say it over and over and over again because it's so true and I want it to sink deep down inside of you. Your story matters in the fight against injustice. And if we're going to see injustices like child abuse and child exploitation decrease in our communities, it's up to you and me to bring the humanity to the issue, to bring ourselves to the issue, to start to see ourselves as part of the solution because we are. At Stories Foundation, we are committed to giving you resources to start on your education and awareness journey so that that education and awareness can turn into action. We are very excited about our new subscription box for families or really anyone who is interested in learning more about human trafficking and getting some solid action steps. It's called the Hive Subscription Box, where when you're in the Hive, you're all looking out for each other and you work for the good of the community. So join us in the Hive by ordering your subscription box today because it's for the good of the Hive, it's for the good of the community, and when we all come together, we can see human trafficking decrease. Decrease.